you ever have those Titanic moments where you're like drawing some naked girl on? Oh yeah, yeah. all the time. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's why you know that's like part of the art life. That's part of being an artist. Yeah, it just comes with the territory. It's like rock star life, but. Episode 59, Brian Avila, also known as the producer BDB. He will explain how the nickname came about. Brian is a street artist who started his young career in the financial world. His big break was when he painted Rihanna, tagged her on Instagram, and off went his career. But prior to that, he was in the financial world, and that was his career. The economy in 2008 did him a favor. He'll explain a He's done collaborations with people like Rihanna, Stan Lee, Chris Brown, and many others. I bought a piece from Brian. It's my absolute favorite thing I've ever seen. It's Vince Scully, Chick Hearn, and Bob Miller. Three guys that I grew up watching, as they'd call Kings, Dodgers, and Laker games. They're wearing modern-day fashion. You can see the picture on my Instagram at MikeDuppod. But that's his thing. He's a street artist who does things in three, three famous people, and they're dressed in modern-day fashion. Super, super cool stuff. By the way, I'm doing something new, and this is the first time doing it. This episode is also on YouTube, so if you'd like to see an unedited version of this episode, simply search Miked Up Pod on YouTube, watch it, and go subscribe. I also do some funny voiceover videos uh, you might enjoy on there as well. I started my conversation with Brian talking about his financial career, how it ended, and how his street art began. Episode 59, Brian Avila, the producer BDB. Here we go. So you started in the financial world in what year? I graduated in 2002, and right out of high school, I got a job at, at Washington Mutual. So I started off there, worked my way up. And then after, I think, four years, they um, laid off the department and they moved everybody to Texas, I want to say, Amarillo. And I, I just ended up staying and getting an opportunity to work at AIG. So, yeah, from 2007 to like 2012, I was working at AIG. When I first started there, it was great. Money's coming in. Everybody's like doing great. They're giving us like American Express gift checks to like open new accounts. Money's just pouring in. And then September comes in 2008 and literally everything just got wiped out instantly. So that was, I was a shock, man. Like being there and one day everything's great. And then the next day it's like, do we have jobs? Customers calling like, where's my money? You know, <laughs> and we're the insurance company. So we're, we're like, we insured everybody, you know, all the banks and all of them are going under or merging. And it was just like a crazy, like week. And, and then we end up getting bailed out because we were going to go under by the government. And then the next thing you know, there's like reporters and protesters outside because the, the way the media was portraying it was like, oh, pretty much the government is using taxpayer money to give up, bail out these banks and, and, and corporations which was crazy. And, you know, I'm just a worker there and I, I, I'm not, I don't know 
like the detail until now, mm. you know, afterwards, but we all did a, a Sunday morning quarterback, but it was like being just an employee and like doing all of the, the things that you thought were normal. And then realizing like there was some major scandals going on and, and pretty much how a bunch of people just made out with millions of dollars and like had these golden parachutes. It, it was messed up because, you know, after that, like, Friends were like jumping off the building, like people. It was crazy. This was 2008, right? This is when the the recession hit, right? And you were still doing art, and you're doing it on the side for some friends, so some side work. But your main revenue was coming in through the bank job, right? Yeah, no, I, I was, I was like always drawing every day. I just, I always did it, but my full time gig was. Yeah, working at AIG. So then you decided to leave uh, for vacation, right? Your buddy was in Brazil? Yeah, he was in Brazil. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my buddy, he he was in the finance world with me. And I always admired him because he kind of gave it all up, cold turkey, and went back to school. He went to art school. He went to the art, art center. And I was like, that's ballsy because that's like $200,000 just to go to school. So I was like, all right, well, props to you. He went to, he went, graduated, and then he moved to New York, and then he went to Brazil. And he was out there living there, and he was just enjoying it. And I'm just looking at all of these pictures on Instagram, and he's like, you got to come out here. It's freaking dope. So I've never been outside the country, and I was like, well, shit sucks here, so I might as well. Hmm. I just got on a plane, got a visa, and showed up. He was there at the airport, and then he was like, all right, bro, I got to go work. So he just left me. <laughs> And I had to figure out everything there. Yeah. So you you were taking two weeks off, I believe, right? Your job. And then you did you take another two weeks off? So the first trip, it was just two weeks. And that went by quick. But um, I, I went back to my job and I was asking them, hey, um, I want to go back. Can I get like um, two months or a month? And they're like, we can. The most we could give you is two months or two weeks at a time. But I was like, well, I have the time. And they're like, it's just policy. So that's when I, I was like reassessing like, oh, this sucks, you know, like pretty much stuck in this job. And, and they pretty much control what, what I can do with my life. And I just felt some type of way about it. So I went, I asked for the two weeks and I just didn't come back for like, like three months. You came back, returned to your job and things were normal? I thought I was going to get fired yeah. because, you know, I was gone for so long. I, I'll never forget it. I get I get into the uh, the elevator. My badge still works. I, I pull up to my desk. It's all dusty. There's like, you know, a million voice messages, a million emails. I'm just going through my stuff, waiting for them to come with the box, you know, like the office space and just be like, all right, you're out. And nothing happened nobody said anything and i just thought that was the weirdest thing ever but i just went went back you know and 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 then about three weeks later they announced that they're gonna lay off the department so it was like hey we're gonna give you a severance and unemployment and stuff and i was like oh shit well i'm gonna go back to brazil (laughs) this is perfect like i'm tired of this place anywhere so i went back and everything went wrong and i got stuck out there and I ended up backpacking all over South America and it was just like really a life-changing event for me. Like I really just started to figure out like what I wanted to do, who I was as a person and what made me happy. 
because I felt like I was kind of like a slave to money in the U.S. Because you kind of probably fell in love with the salary, right? The salary kind of like stuck you in and right. made you feel somewhat comfortable. But you've got this gig where you can do art. You're obviously extremely talented. When did you get that first big hit? When did you think that art can can actually make this for you to put bread on your table and live comfortably? Well, I had no idea about the art world. So the way I found out about it was Instagram. And by by seeing where our shows were, just seeing, following other artists who, who were making it, like Gregory Sif or, or Retina. And I was just like, wow, what's this place they're showing at? And I would go to the event and I would meet them. And then I would see like the art being priced at like $2,500. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot. That's crazy. People actually buy this stuff for that much. I, I had no idea. And so I, I just kept showing up and was doing my stuff at home, like making, making my work. And Instagram really was the tool that like, changed my life because I was just drawing my friends and, and, my, and, and people I knew. And then the next thing, you know, everybody was like, yo, can you draw me? Can you draw me? And I was like, well, this reminds me of high school, which where I used to just draw the prettiest girl and she would like then talk to me and stuff. I was like, well, this is the same thing. Let me let me draw Rihanna. I drew her, tagged her. And this is when hashtags were new. And somehow she found it, followed me. And, and then after that, I got a, a lot of attention. A lot of people started following me. And that gave me the confidence to be like, well, I, I know she likes it. So I just need to figure out a way to sell it now. Did Rihanna eventually buy that piece? Not that piece, but she, yeah, she, um, she has a piece. Wow. You ever have those Titanic moments where you're like drawing some naked girl on? Oh yeah. yeah. All the time. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, that's like part of the art life. That's part of being an artist. Yeah, it just comes with the territory. It's like rock star life. But yeah, I mean, I jump around country to country. In the beginning, I was broke, but I'm in France and I'm in the museums and there's like a bunch of ballerinas and, you know, they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm an artist, you know? There's something like about that fantasy. Like this guy is just a rebel of society, you know, because it's true. Being an artist, you really get to learn the good, the bad, and the ugly of how things work. And then you just are supposed to like express what you see into like the artwork and, and, and hopefully it lasts long enough to, uh, you know, the next generation kind of like get the story. Well, that too. And, and with you being an artist and every artist, you, when you look at a woman's body, it's not like you're looking at it in a, in a way where you want to attack her. You're looking at it like it's an actual art piece right? Like she's standing like a, like a beautiful art piece to you. And she knows that you're not going to do something stupid or crazy. So I, I, I think that part of it too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, beauty, like people love, love beautiful stuff. So, you know, working figurative, that's just always when you, when I'm drawing, I just, what I see and it's, it's, it's just putting it, putting it or, or sometimes exaggerating just being creative. It depends on, on, on the situation. You've done some street art stuff. Uh, you've done, I think a lot of street art stuff. And, and I think you were in Brazil where you would just kind of take 
over a wall. And most of the time it was during the day, right? Because people thought that the owner of the wall told you to do what you were doing. And it's another part of the reason and how you got recognized as well, right? Yeah. Doing street art is, is, is like marketing pretty much Coca-Cola sign on, on the billboard. It's street art to me. It kind of like gets your attention and it's, it's an interaction with the people. So it's the fastest way to get a response to your work too. So like when I was putting them out there, I would, it was fun because I, I wanted people to interact with them. And, you know, most of the time I would just do it in the day, just act like you were getting paid to do it and putting it up. Nobody thinks anything's wrong because you're obviously doing it in the day. Now, if you're like running around acting scared, you're going to think that you're doing something you know, fishy. Yeah. What type of, yeah. what type of stuff would you draw when you were in, situations like that just how you were feeling that day or was it uh, an event that you thought about or I've, I've always just done people so fashion-based stuff just you know since the beginning and it was always just like the most interesting thing to me is people and like people now are brands like everybody has a, a personal brand so putting this this artwork out there was like i was making brands of people <laughs> You know, just showing it like where where we're at in society, kind of like based on who the person was, you would have you have like this perceived notation that you know who they are. Chris Brown, how did you get in touch with Chris Brown, or how did he get in touch with you? Well, Instagram, Instagram was was how he first found me, and then we end up having a show together, and uh, our artwork was showing right next to each other. And he just came up to me and he was like, hey, I really like your work. You know, I've been following you. And I was like, yeah, man, bro, we should do something. So we ended up collaborating and um, painting a few pieces together. We did this huge, just street art. Like, we were just doing it for fun. And then we ended up making a piece for, like, my first show. But, yeah, he's, he's really talented and cool guy. Stan Lee's another guy that you looked up to, right? And, and you, you got an amazing story with Stan Lee. Tell us about it. Yeah, so Stan Lee, you know, comic books was probably the reason why I drew as a child. Like I always looked at the artwork and, and the stories, of course. And, and Stan Lee was a guy who kind of created this whole universe. And I just always admired it. And then I was able to, um, to work with him because a friend let me know that his daughter was like, like my work and wanted to do collaboration on a, um, like a T-shirt. So we ended up doing it for Comic-Con and I got to meet him. I got to go to his house and like watch the Dodgers in the World Series with him. So that was pretty surreal. And we're just signing, you know, shirts and stuff and just hanging out in his kitchen. <laughs> nice guy, right? Joyful, kind of joking. Oh, yeah. Good he's, personality. He's, yeah. Great personality. He, he has, he's witty. He has a, like a, a comedy. He's, he's very funny. Like I was like, man. Such an honor, you know, meeting. He's like, I hear that all the time, you know. Geez, if I had a dime for every time I heard that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, he he's he's a great guy. He he um he led the way and he gave me some good information. Yeah, a guy you looked up to. So that had to have been a surreal moment for you being in this this guy's house and then watching the Dodger game and, and collaborating with him. That's crazy. You were in Japan and that was during COVID. That's when I found you. That's when I bought uh, my piece from you. I'm going to show you, show you guys a little bit uh, later. Japan is like one of the cleanest 
places ever, right? Including the people. You can probably eat off the ground in Japan, right? Yeah, Japan is is a just wonderful place. It's just everything is so organized. Um, everything is top quality, and and the people are just super nice. So it, it's it's one of my favorite places in the world. You know, I I got to spend the whole year there and learn a little Japanese and just be able to travel from all the way from Okinawa all the way to Hokkaido and and everywhere in between. So. Yeah, it's it's a great place, and I would love to live there. Wow, wow! And the sushi is the best you've ever had. Oh yeah, yeah. Anything anything compares to it out here? No, nothing, zero. There's nothing you've had. Different style, and it's just you know, like our fish, it's um, it's not as fresh as as theirs, you know. So I mean, they have a different style too. Like it's not rolls; it's all just straight rice or gohan and and, uh, and the fish so sh- sashimi or sushi mm-hmm. rolls tell me about art man what what does it do to you like when you were a kid and you found out that this is what you love to do and this this was something that you were passionate about what what is it about art that drives you i mean art is always been a part of my life so i feel like it's a, a major part of my identity so I I've always kind of used it to kind of interact with other people. I w- I'm kind of soft-spoken, so making an image or creating an image is just is it just an easier way for me to communicate with people. And I just it's just been my language that I've always used to to either say something or just to surround myself with cool people. Express yourself through art. Yeah. Shit, man. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's great because I've always been into like culture and 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 you know like history, so I, I always liked the older paintings, but I didn't get pop art, but now I do the pop art, so I kind of understand it now. It's it's really just like you can judge an era by its art, and we we always remember the artists, but we don't remember like the rich people or the bankers or anybody. We know about Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo. We know about all of the the artworks that that have survived, but it's it's something that that holds value. Hmm. Let's check the uh, piece out that you did. I've got some art, but it's <laughs> all the artists. I apologize uh, because this is this is my number one oh, right nice. here. The, nothing comes close to this, dude. This piece is so LA, so freaking gorgeous. And these are three guys that I grew up listening to and to just do something different. I've got a couple Stephen Hollins of Chick and Vin that actually sit right here. But um, and and the one from Vin is signed. That, that's that's a piece that nobody else can either do or if they do, it, it, it would be a copy of you. And man, it is gorgeous. I look at it every morning and um, I, I thank you for doing it. This is actually the second one that you've made, but it's one of one because the cargo pants on Chick are, mm-hmm. are green. And the one that you did for somebody else is a different color. And then we changed his shoes as well. So it's super sick. So it's for me. The producer BDB. Tell, tell me about the name. Where did the nickname come from? So BDB is just a nickname that I've had since probably like high school. I want to say like freshman year. Everyone used to just call me Big Daddy B. But... 
it just got shortened to BDB and it just kind of stuck. And, you know, when Instagram came out, I, I was making beats. So the producer just sounded cool and then it stuck and, and it kind of, it's kind of cool. Cause it can mean music, it can mean film or art or anything. I just produce, you know, so I like it. It just stuck. Brian, before we let you go, uh, you're coming up with some NFTs, huh? Yeah, venturing off into that world. You know, if you follow my Instagram, we're going to start posting about it and how to be a part of um, this new, exciting media. That's wild. So do you have like a base price of some of the stuff that will be an NFT? I'm not real familiar with the NFTs yet, but is there like a base that you can buy something for? Well, I want to give them away for free, the first ones, but they are going to be hard to get. The people who are lucky enough to get them, they can sell them for however much they want wow. and trade them. So we'll see. I think that's, that's the cool thing about this thing is it's really meant to build community, to have people be able to talk to each other and enjoy something together. So I, I'm more into it about the community aspect of it more than the financial end of it, but it's, it's just something that's new. And I think whenever, whenever there's something that's new, like being an artist, I want to try something that hasn't been done before. How are you going to decide who you're going to give them to? Oh, it's going to be like a, like a raffle probably. Nice. And what are you going to draw? What are they going to be? What kind of pieces? I don't want to give away too much. I, I would just say, follow the, the Instagram at the producer BDB and Stay tuned. Just keep your eye out. Stay tuned. Yeah. When should we look out for it? Soon. Okay. The next, the next week. Okay. Wow. Nice. Sweet, dude. Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, no. I mean, um, the piece, I'm, I'm so glad you have it because when I, my very first piece I made, it was about the people that inspired me. So it was like Basquiat, Keith Haring, and Warhol. And I just had it on my wall. And it made me feel good every day because those were like the people I wanted to I aspire to be like, and then I was like, okay, well, what if I'm an actress in Hollywood? You know, I was in Burbank near the studio. So I was like, oh, Marilyn Monroe, Audrey Hepburn, and this Taylor. And I just started doing them in threes. And, and then your piece, it's like, wow, if you want to be in radio or if you want to be in sports casting, those guys are the top, the top, you know? And, and I was just being for LA, I, I was going to do the players, but I was like, these guys can never switch teams, you know, like they're because, you know, sometimes a player will like spend the last years of their career on another team. But these guys, you look at them and they just symbolize the franchise. So 100 percent. Yeah. Brian, you gave me a good idea, though, man. If there's three players that you would do in L.A., who would they be? <clears> hmm. <throat> well, for all sports or just one sport all sports. All sports. So for basketball, I think it has to be Kobe for LA. Um, for baseball, no, nothing against the Angels, but it's got to be a Dodgers player. And in my eye, uh, the best Dodger player that symbolizes probably one of the championship teams. So maybe, maybe uh, Fernando Venezuela okay. would be cool. So you're going back. Okay. And then uh, for the Kings, of course, Wayne Gretzky. Oh, man, that'd be sick. Yeah. That would be sick. 
Yeah, that would be actually pretty dope. I was going to say a Dodger would maybe be Kershaw too. I don't know if he's going to finish his career as a Dodger, but I think he would look so super cool on that. Yeah. Kobe for sure and Gretzky for sure. Even though Gretzky didn't play for the Kings much, but he he brought hockey to LA. I mean, there's no doubt. Right. And I don't think there's any other king that we can that that has that type of stature. But Kershaw I yeah. think is the face. But let's just hope he ends his career as a Dodger because, like you're right, if he goes to his hometown in Texas or something, it, it'll feel a little bit different. But yeah, okay, man. We're with, I'm gonna in in five, four years. We're we're gonna be talking <laughs> again. We're gonna put a piece together. Yeah, yeah. That'd be that. Sick. That would be a cool piece. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's tough. We got to figure out the baseball one. That that one's the hardest. Yeah, I think Kobe and Wayne Gretzky. It's easy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, maybe maybe Kurt Gibson. I don't know. Uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he hit yeah, that, that one. Yeah, yeah, he hit that one. He wasn't here very long. I mean, you go to Koufax and stuff, but you can't really I can't I you know, they just tell me how great Koufax was. I can't relate because I didn't experience it, you know. I want even Valenzuela. I mean, I was a kid. I think we we're both kids. We didn't really truly get it, you know, but like Kershaw, we saw his career as a rookie to to the end. So any one, which is great too. So you could maybe put rings on these guys, even though Gretzky didn't win with the Kings, he should have in '93. But uh, that that'd be a cool dude. That yeah, we'll be talking. That would be sick. yeah, that'd be great. That'd be sick. <laughs> but cool, man. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome, Brian. This was a lot of fun. Pretty cool story, right? I, you know what's in life? Timing is great. Uh, luck is great. I think those two things. Uh, sometimes are better than being good and of course who you know and again social media the tool that this thing is a monster social media is a monster if you know how to use this tool properly it can get you places and it's done this with brian it's a great story he's a great guy he is extremely talented this piece again i look at every morning and i just smile because it's just it's it's gorgeous and it's different you're not gonna see them in suits they're in modern day street clothes. Uh, super cool story. It's incredible. Um, also pretty cool that he kind of just took over a wall in Brazil during the day because people, who's going to stop him then? Right. Police are going to come by and be like, well, the, the owner of the building knows he's doing this is during the day. Who does this during the day? <laughs> so I, I like that. I like that. Got some exciting things coming up. Uh, we've got a couple episodes coming up and we're getting political. And I, I, at the beginning of this, I, I always told myself not to, but, you know, if you believe in something, in which I do, I believe in something, and, and some stuff just has to be said. And, and I've got an episode controversy. I don't remember what episode number it was, but it was the last 10 or so. Uh, I kind of spilled, spilled the beans and, and some of my guts about how I felt about what was happening in the country and in our state in California. And I'm not a fan, and I don't like it, and I don't like what's happening, and I don't like mandates. I like freedom. And so we're going to talk to two guys. One of them is Alex Michelson. He's on Fox 11, and he's their, uh, basically their political guru. And he's got a great show called The Issue Is, and that's on Saturdays. So we're going to talk to him about this recall in California. The governor of California is getting recalled. And then uh, another one is going to be one of my buddies. Uh, we're going to come on and talk uh, politics, and he's extremely passionate. People think I'm passionate. He's times two. So that'll be fun as well. So that'll be in the next couple weeks. Um, that'll be prior to this recall in California on September 14th. And uh, so we get all that fun stuff out of the way and get us prepped for that big day, September 14th. So 
look, no matter how you look at things politically, whatever, I, I don't care. I don't care. All I care about is good people, man. I don't care about the aisle you sit on. I don't care. If you're a good person and I don't agree with you politically, I, I, I like you. We're friends, you know? We don't have to talk about certain things. That's okay. But the problem with what's happening in the world today is that if you sit on a certain aisle and you don't agree with their political values, you just automatically aren't going to get along with the person. There's good people on both sides. So this this diversity, the uh, what's happening in our country is disgusting and it's ugly. And we're going to get into that stuff. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much for making me a part of your day, folks. Again, this is on YouTube. Simply search Miked Up Pod. And please follow me on social media. All of it is Miked Up Pod. Instagram is where most of it happens. I am I Gabriel. This is Miked Up Pod. Until next time, folks, no wasted days. Let's go. Let's go.